0: I want to take a survey this morning as we begin. You don't have to raise your hand, but I just want you to think about your response to these questions. First of all, how many of you would like to have the attitude of that young lady in that video? How many of you would like to live a joyful life? A life that is filled with the joy of the Lord so that other people see it and that circumstances don't control it. How many of you would rate joy on your top 10 list of importance? Now the real question is this, how many of you are experiencing a life of joy right now? How many of you can say your life is filled with joy? Wouldn't it be great if every day when we got up to face the world around us, the sun was shining, the birds were chirping, and we hadn't a care in the world. But in reality, we face rainy days, the birds have gone south, and we realize that there are things that we're going to have to deal with today that are not pleasant. The trials of life can be overwhelming. Many times we struggle to find the kind of joy in our lives that the Bible talks about. Have you ever felt like all the joy in your life has been drained right out of your being? That there's not, not only is there no joy, that you're not filled with joy, there's not even an ounce of joy at times. Maybe you're feeling that this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and um, and your heart is empty. You're you're thinking about things that have been taking place in your life uh, in this past week or in recent days and you can honestly say, I don't feel joy. I want you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 where we are looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Last week we talked about love, the first characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions here. Today we want to talk about joy. Now in Greek, The word joy that is here means to be cheerful, it means to be glad, it means to joyfully rejoice. Every Christian has the capacity to have joy within his or her life. It really comes down to choice. The Christian package includes nine virtues. Look what Paul says there in verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all characteristics of the life of Christ who lives in us. And all of these, of all of these, joy is the closest to grace. In fact, the word grace in Greek is karis, k-a-r-i-s. Joy is kara, k-a-r-a. So you might say joy is grace enjoyed. Joy is enjoying the grace of God. Friend, as a Christian, God wants every one of us to be filled with his joy. Here's what I want you to take from the message this morning. Christian joy should characterize our whole life and our whole life in conduct because Jesus lives in us. So I want to talk about three aspects of joy this morning that I hope will help you to understand what this characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit means for us As believers. The first thing I want to talk about is what joy is. You know, we tend to equate happiness with joy, but they are really two different um, words or ideas because they spring from different sources. One, happiness comes from the world around us. Joy, on the other hand, originates directly from the Holy Spirit. So happiness, my happiness depends upon my circumstances, the things that are going on around in the world around me. Joy is given within from the Holy Spirit. Happiness is from the word hap, H-A-P. That word means luck or happenings. So happiness is dependent upon that um, or what is happening around me. Um, If it, it rises and falls with the circumstances of my life, if people treat me good, I'm happy. If things are going well, I'm happy. If my circumstances change, I could be unhappy. For example, just this past Thursday, I'm sitting at home, I'm working on my message, doing some other things, when all of a sudden I lose the internet. I lose everything, cable-wise. And I realize we had some landscapers outside doing some work. And they had come out prior to Um, uh, the, the cable people had come out prior to the landscapers coming and put those little orange flags where they were supposed to be or I thought the guy out there is grinding up some stumps and he cuts through the cable in two places and let's just put it this way all of a sudden, when I, before I had been happy, things were good. I was enjoying working on my sermon. Things were just good. I can tell you at that point, I was not happy. To be frankly honest, I was irritated. I go outside, and I go out and look where the guy's grinding stumps, and sure enough, there's the cable going across where he's ground that stump, and you can see it cut in two places. And he goes, man, I didn't see it, the flag. He said, it flag just wasn't marking that it was going to be there. And <clears throat> I said, it's you know, what can I say? I said, you know, the only problem is I'm going to have to call the cable guy, and it's going to take them days to get out here, and I'm leaving out for to go out of the country, uh, you know, on Monday. I'm not going to be here. I don't know when this will get fixed. So I go in, and I call after a while, trying to get a number to call Spectrum, and I finally get them on the line, and the guy says, Mr. Burt, He said, uh, um, because of the situation, we consider that an emergency. So I'm going to bump you to the top of the list, and I'll have a guy out there in two hours. I said, you're kidding. (laughs) He said, no. He said, he'll be out there between two and three. And I said, great. You know what? All of a sudden, I was happy. Why? My circumstances had changed. They were back to where they made me feel good see happiness is dependent upon what's going on around us Joy, on the other hand, remains constant regardless of what happens. Joy is a divine dimension of living that is not dependent upon circumstances. The word joy appears in the Bible 158 times, the word rejoice appears 198 times. In the Old Testament, there are 27 different words. To describe joy. The basic meaning is to run around with delight. In the New Testament, it refers to gladness or bliss or celebration. Joy then is an inner attitude of cheer that manifests itself through outward celebration. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, um, wrote, joy is like the sun always shining even when night falls or clouds cover it. Happiness is like the moon waxing and waning. Happiness is born in the mind, joy in the heart. Happiness comes from humans. Joy comes only from God. Dr. Adrian Rogers put it this way. Happiness is like cosmetics. Joy is like character. Happiness comes from outside circumstances. Joy comes from within. Happiness meets surface needs. Joy meets your deepest needs. In times of suffering, happiness usually evaporates and disappears. But joy often intensifies in times of suffering. From the best time to check your joy level is it when things are going good. It's when things are lousy. It's easy to have joy when you feel good. It's easy to have joy when everyone seems to love you and, and respect you. It's easy to have joy when your work is going smoothly, when the bills are paid, when the market is going up, or when you're in good health. But can you still rejoice when your world starts to crumble in, when you're facing the possibility of losing your job, when your health starts to fail, when you are not doing well in your marriage, or you've got a child who is rebelling, or you suffer the death of a family member. Friend, don't confuse happiness with joy. One comes and goes depending on my circumstances. The other remains because it is there within me and it is made possible because of the Lord Jesus himself who lives in my life. That's the difference between happiness and joy. Joy, I mean, happiness is dependent upon what's happening around me. Joy is a permanent condition because, because of Christ living in us. Well, the second aspect of joy that I want us to think about this morning is <clears throat> where joy is found. Billy Sunday once said The trouble with many men is that they have got just enough religion to make them miserable. If there is not joy in religion, you've got a leak in your religion. That's good theology. I believe that most Christians desire to have joy in their lives. But but how do we find joy? How do we get it? If you uh, hold your place here in Galatians, turn over to Acts chapter 16. Here we read where Paul and Silas had been arrested and beaten and thrown into prison. They were fastened into wooden stocks around their necks and iron bonds on their hands and feet. So I want you to picture these two men with bleeding backs, kneeling side by side with their heads in those wooden stocks. Did they complain about their rights? Did they demand justice? No, they displayed joy. The Bible says, look in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You see, they didn't allow their situation to control them. They didn't allow what was happening around them to control their attitude. I don't know what they sang that night, but early Christians mostly sang the Old Testament. So they might have sung the words from Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't know, but they possibly could. As they were singing and rejoicing, look in verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone and everyone's bond and everyone and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now the jailer who was responsible for these prisoners prepared to fall on his sword and kill himself according to verse 27. But look what Paul says in verse 28, do not harm yourself for we are all here. At that, the jailer said, look in verse 30, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Friend, the man did and that night, the same man who had bloodied the backs of Paul and Silas now washed their wounds and found the joy of the Lord. Friend, joy isn't a feeling, it's a choice. Our joy comes from Jesus. And that's the only place that you will ever find this lasting attitude that says, in the midst of all of my circumstances, good, bad, or somewhere in the middle, there is this consistent attitude attitude, this consistent uh, feeling that there is someone who is watching over me, my life is in God's hands, and regardless of my circumstances, I may not be happy about them, but I can rejoice knowing who is in charge. Jesus tells us in John 15, he wants us to be full of joy. In verse 11 in John chapter 15, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So, when we choose to trust in Jesus, when we choose to abide in Him, we receive His joy. And that joy is what the joy of the Lord is what enables us to rejoice regardless of our circumstances. Friend, the choice is ours. It's ours. The third point I want to make is how joy is expressed. Christian joy should characterize our whole life. But how do we express joy? Let me give you six ways joy can be expressed in a person's life. First of all, we should receive the gospel message with joy. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word, look at this, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see, the joy-filled Christian comes to church ready to listen, eager to participate, and prepared to leave, transformed. How did you come to church this morning? Did you come grumpy? and upset frustrated about things that were happening in your life maybe things that went wrong this past week or maybe something that upset you this morning how did you come to church this morning the joy-filled christian comes to church ready to hear the word of god ready to join in in singing the praises to the lord eager to participate and prepared to leave transformed second We can also express joy by suffering trials with joy. Look what James says in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. He said, "'Count it all joy, my brothers, "'when you meet trials of various kinds, "'for you know that the testing of your faith "'produces steadfastness, "'and let steadfastness have its full effect, "'that you may be perfect and complete, "'lacking in nothing.'" Friend, James doesn't say it will be a happy experience when you undergo suffering. That's not what he says. That's not even what he implies. What he's saying is, look past your trial. Look past this suffering or this adversity to the greater good that God wants to accomplish in your life through this trial and rejoice at what God wants to do in you through that trial. Third, we can express joy by suffering persecution with joy. Jesus said in Luke chapter six, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the son of man. Look what he says, verse 23. Rejoice in that day, leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven for so their fathers did to the prophets. Years ago, some archaeologists were excavating around the ruins of the maritime prison in Rome. Nancy and I had an opportunity to visit that prison um, uh, last year when we were over there in Italy. Thousands of Christians were imprisoned there before they were sent to the Colosseum to fight wild animals and to die as martyrs. The archaeologists digging around the prison and those ruins found a fragment of a letter among the ruins that was written during the third century. That was a time of intense persecution against Christians. The message of that letter is powerful. Listen, it's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. And we don't know who the writer is of this letter, but he says, I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than the pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. Friend, it is a bad world we live in, especially if you're a devoted Christian. People are going to hate you. People will mock you. They will ostracize you and even persecute you. But with Jesus living in you, you can suffer the world's persecution with joy. Fourth, we can pray with joy. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. One of the meanings of joy is shining or brightness. You remember when Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai and spent time with God? When he came back down to uh, meet the Hebrew people, they looked at him and his face was shining. You see, Moses was was filled with joy because he had spent time in the presence of God. For in the best way, to express the joy of Jesus, is to spend time with Jesus in prayer and in the reading of God's Word. A fifth way is give with joy. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful comes from the Greek word hilarion, which is our English word hilarious comes from. God loves joyful, hilarious givers. The biggest sin among Christians today is materialism. We accumulate more and more stuff And then we worry that someone may take our stuff or that someone might have even better stuff than we have. Materialism and greed can destroy joy. Why? Because you're never happy. You're never satisfied. You're never content. Whereas the person who can find joy even in the little that they have, they will experience much more joy than the person who has way more of this world's goods Because their joy is not dependent upon what they have or what they own. It's dependent upon who owns them and who lives within them. The joy of the Lord is expressed through um, our giving. Can I just ask you a question this morning? Is the joy of Jesus overflowing and your life. We've mentioned some of the ways, and there's a sixth way I want you to see. Look in the sixth place. You can serve the Lord with joy. The psalmist says in Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a member of the United States Supreme Court for over 30 years, once said, I might have entered the ministry if certain preachers I knew had not looked and acted like undertakers. Friend, the greatest work that you and I can ever do is is the work of the Lord. In his grace, God has called us, to share his message of salvation to others we get to do that it's not a question of i have to do that i hear preachers say sometimes man i have to prepare a sermon this week i I can remember sitting over there in that double wide years ago, and Joanne Hampton will tell you I would be doing something, studying a passage of Scripture for an upcoming Wednesday night Bible study or Sunday message, and all of a sudden, something, the Holy Spirit would speak to me about a truth in that passage, and I would just start laughing. And I'd come out around the the door to where Joanne's desk was, and I would say to her, Joanne, Aunt, it isn't fair. And she'd say, what? And I'd say, I get paid to do this. <laughs> Friend, how do you approach your service to the Lord? Do you have to teach that Sunday school class? Do you have to sing in the choir? Do you have to be an usher this morning or do security or whatever else it is? Serve on that team? If the joy of the Lord is present in us, what we do in service to Him ought to be seen as the highest privilege and honor there is. We get to serve the Lord. We get to point people to Jesus. We get to help reunite them with their creator. That's exciting. How can we not find joy in this? Friend, when you're full of the joy of the Lord, it's hard to hide it. People can just see it in your face. There's a story from the California gold rush days about three prospectors who had found a rich gold vein on the property they were mining. They were thrilled, as you can imagine, but they were also afraid because they were um, fearful that if word got out before they could stake their claim, then people would come and take over their, uh, or or take over the, the area where they had discovered this gold, the other miners would crowd them out. So they decided that they would take a vow to keep their discovery secret. They went into town, the nearby town, to buy some supplies and to uh, stake their claim, file their claim. And um, uh, so uh, while they were there, uh, while they were at, about getting their supplies, their equipment, while they were filing their claim, they didn't say a word to anyone about their gold, about the gold that they had discovered. But as they started back to the mine, they realized that a crowd of people were following them back to their mine. So they stopped and out of curiosity asked, what are you guys doing? Why are you following us? And one of those in the crowd said, you didn't say anything about finding gold, but by the look on your faces, we could tell that you had found something valuable. Their facial expressions gave them away. Would your facial expression give away the fact that you're a believer in Jesus Christ? Sadly for many Christians, they would never be discovered that they had found the most valuable thing in the world in Jesus Christ because you could never see it on their face and in their countenance. That's sad that we say Jesus is the most important thing in our life. He is the one who gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Does his joy show up on your face? Friend, that's a great testimony of a Christian. Our faces should reflect the joy of Jesus. Do those who see us on a daily basis see in our face, in our demeanor, that we have found something way more valuable than gold. Can they tell that we have discovered the Lord Jesus Christ? Is the joy of Jesus overflowing in our life so that people can see a difference in us regardless of what is happening around us? Do they see it when you sit under the teaching of God's word? Do they see it when you gather for corporate worship? Do they see it after you have spent time alone with God in prayer? Do you come out of that time, out of that experience with a glow that you have been meeting and fellowshipping, communing with the sovereign God of this world? When you suffer adversity, what do people say? When you're treated unfairly, what do they say? Do they see you serving with joy? Can I just challenge you this morning, and I don't want you to fake it. When you go into your Sunday school class, could you just try to allow the Holy Spirit to just let you forget of all the other things that are happening around you today? And just think about what truly is most important in your life. And that is that God in His grace has chosen to save you. And by putting your faith and trust in Jesus, all your sins have been forgiven. Friend, the joy of the Lord is expressed through our daily living and it's not a feeling it's a choice max locato in his book the applause of heaven shares a real life story about a man named robert reed robert's hands are twisted his feet are useless he can't bathe himself He can't feed himself. He can't brush his teeth. He can't comb his hair. He can't even put on his own underwear. Strips of Velcro hold his shirts together. His speech is slurred. You see, Robert has cerebral palsy. And it keeps him from driving a car, riding a bike, going for a walk, But it didn't stop him from graduating from high school, going off to Abilene Christian University and earning a degree in Latin, coming out of college, getting a teaching position at St. Louis Junior College, and going on five international mission trips. It didn't prevent Robert from becoming a missionary to Portugal. He moved to Lisbon alone in 1972. There he rented a hotel room, began studying Portuguese. A restaurant owner, where he had gone for, uh, when he first got there uh, to eat, a restaurant owner offered to uh, feed him after the rush hour was over. He found a tutor who instructed him in the language. And every day he stationed himself in a park where he gave out brochures about Christ. Within six years, Robert Reed had led 70 people to faith in Jesus Christ, one of whom became his wife. Her name was Rosa. Lucado says, I heard Robert speak recently. I watched other men carry him in his wheelchair onto the platform. I watched them lay a Bible in his lap. I watched his stiff fingers force open the pages. And I watched people in the audience wipe away tears of admiration from their faces. Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he did just the opposite. He held his bent hand up in the air and boasted, I have everything I need for joy. Feeling a little guilty yet? I am. I think about what we complain about. I think about what we excuse our lack of joy on by the circumstances of our life, by what's happening around us. Friend, Robert Reed's shirts are held together by Velcro but I will tell you what, his life is held together by joy. When we come to see that everything we need for joy we possess in Christ, our lives, too, will be held together and defined by joy. You see, we must look beyond our circumstances beyond what's happening around us and see the big picture that God has in store. Can I ask you this morning, what's holding your life together? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your kids? Is it your investments? Is it a hobby? Is it your health? Or is it Jesus? You see, joy is a choice, not an emotion. And it isn't just a good choice. It's a command from God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16, the Bible says, be joyful always. And in Philippians chapter 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say, rejoice. So how's your joy today? If you're looking for joy, let me encourage you. Focus on Jesus. C.S. Lewis put it best. He said, it's not so much the joy of the Lord we are seeking as the Lord of joy himself. Let me say that again. It's not so much the joy of the Lord we are seeking as the Lord of joy himself. So I ask you this morning, do you know the Lord of joy? Do you know this one named Jesus? If you're here this morning and you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, one of the benefits, one of the blessings of knowing him is not only that your sins have been forgiven and you're going to heaven one day, But that in this life, your heart, your life can be filled with his joy. Regardless of what you're going through, you can have an expression that people will see and they will want to know, why do you seem to always be so joyful? And you can say, it's only because of Jesus. If you've been a Christian for some time, maybe like I have this week, just like when my cable got cut, and I thought, this is ridiculous. Why am I getting so irritated about this? It's a fixable thing. It may not happen right when I want it, and then the Lord took care of that. But I thought, Lord, here I am preparing a sermon on joy and making the distinction between happiness and joy. And I am looking at this situation through the lens of happiness, and it has blinded me to your joy. And I had to stop, and I had to confess to the Lord that I was wrong, and ask him, Lord, please fill my heart, please fill my life, with the joy of Jesus so that my circumstances will not have control over my disposition and my attitude and the way I relate to the people that you have blessed me with in my life. And so I encourage you this morning, friend, you can't do it. I can't do it. This is something only the Lord can do. But if we are serious and if we want him to do it, I'm convinced he will do it. He will fill you with his joy. Amen. Let's stand together.